Jesus Christ. That we've been forgiven of all of our sins, that we've become a new creation, that we're children of God, that, that we inherit the blessings of eternal life and the blessings of heaven. And freedom, as we saw, means believing in this truth, it means accepting it by faith, and it means boldly living out this identity just day by day. And we looked at, last, we looked at uh, different strongholds of the enemy that separate us from our freedom. We talked about the area of pride. We talked about the area of, of, of the pressure that we have uh, when other people have expectations of us. And we saw that God really in Jesus Christ gives us the authority to tear these strongholds down. And the last area of freedom that we really want to look at is really the area of unforgiveness, a freedom from unforgiveness. And, and this is important as we close out this series because our life is composed of basically a, a, a number of complex relationships, whether it's with family, whether it's with siblings, whether it's with parents or friends or, or our work situations or whatever. There's all these relationships. And relationships by nature, they make us vulnerable. We're going to be hurt. Uh, we're going to be injured by others. And even in our own lives, we know that we've made mistakes, and some of them, um, they're very big ones. And in each of these instances, we're faced with a choice of whether or not we will forgive or not forgive the others uh, who've hurt us, or even ourselves and the things that we've done. And this is what we'll be talking about. Bruce Wilkerson, in his book, The Secret of Lasting Forgiveness, says this. He says, when we do not forgive a person who has hurt us, or if we cannot forgive ourselves for something we have done, we make a prison out of our own hearts. And the very same heart that should be open to God's joy, peace, and love uh, becomes this prison. This prison is dark, it is a painful place, and, and the only true, complete forgiveness can open these doors. And he goes on to say that we can always tell when we have imprisoned others or ourselves. Why? Because the pain and the darkness of that place always seeps out. It intrudes into our lives, and we experience all kinds of painful results because of unforgiveness. And um, actually, in this book that he wrote, um, Wilkerson talks about the reality of the freedom that forgiveness brings. He talked about the fact that he was speaking in this large church in South Africa, and it actually had a congregation of about uh, 5,000 people were in this, uh, this, this um, congregation or in this meeting together. And he was speaking on what God has to say between, you know, about relational or about generational relationships. And as he was going through the message, he said that, that he felt this, this, this burden on his spirit as he was listening, as he was preaching, and as he was watching the people. And um, he said there was a part of his message where he, he just said, you know, that, that, that he felt the moving of the Spirit, and this wasn't even a part of the message that he had planned, but he said, if any of you has resentment or unforgiveness towards your parents, please stand and come forward. Now, he didn't know why he said that, but he just felt like that that was what God was asking him to, to say in the middle of his sermon. And he said that after he said that, 2,500 people stood up in that congregation. Half of those people stood up and came forward for prayer. And, and, and the crowd, they were weeping, they were crying, there was lots of pain because there were people who were ready to give up on God because of the, the struggles and the hurts that they had experienced. There were daughters who had actually, he said there were daughters who had actually run away from home because of, of the hurt 
that they experience in their families. And he said, said that as, as Wilkerson said, he just stood there. He was stunned with all the people coming forward. And he just called them to name their wounds and to call out for forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said that, that there was a sense of God's forgiveness just flooding uh, the entire room that day, that, 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 that walls were torn down, relationships were being restored, hope was being revived. And he said, most importantly, there was a sense of freedom of the spirit that was rolling across uh, this place as these people came forward to confess their sins, to, to confess or, or to, to surrender in these areas of unforgiveness. And he said that afterwards, he said the effect was not just personal and familial, but the, the church leaders tell, told Wilkerson later that, that, at that after that one Jesus moment, there was this great revival that was visited among the whole church and even the community around them that could sense the, the presence of God. Uh, moving and tearing down walls and opening doors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's just a really a remarkable story. Now, I'm not saying that this is a formula or this is what needs to happen in all the different churches, but as I was reading this, I was saying this is an authentic testimony of the freedom that comes when we forgive, when we truly in our hearts are able to forgive, not just others, but even ourselves rather than holding in these things for so long. So let's look at our passage today. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter four, verse 17. So we're getting out of, of, of Corinthians, we're going into Ephesians. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter four, verse 17, and let's stand in reverence for the word of God. Let's stand together. This is the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, for they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, and to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former, former manner of life that is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And going down to verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. From this passage, we're going to see that when we release the freedom of Christ in our lives, we will release the freedom of Christ in our lives when we remove unforgiveness from our lives, that God really meant for you and me to have hearts that are filled with joy, with peace, with, with the power of the Spirit. And yet, many of us, um, there is this issue of unforgiveness that may be preventing us from fully experiencing this freedom that, uh, that God desires for us to have in our lives and in this church as well. So, so the question is, you know, how do we truly forgive others? So the first thing we want to see is the connection between forgiveness and identity. That's been the thesis of this entire series, is that when we talk about the freedom of Jesus Christ, it really does go back to identity. If you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. 
Now, when you look at this verse in isolation, it actually does look like a command. And in fact, it looks like a guilt command, like forgive others is a command because God forgave you. Now, this is indeed a command, but it needs to be seen in the context of Paul's entire teaching in chapter 4, because in verse 17, Paul says, he begins by saying in this chapter, he says, now I say and I testify the name of the Lord, talking to, uh, again, the Ephesians, he said that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And what Paul is doing, he's, he's earnestly, he's begging the believers in Ephesus to say, I urge you, stop. Stop living like the Gentiles. And now this is not about ethnicity, this is not about culture. Paul's really saying, Christian, live according to your new life in Jesus Christ. Gentiles is another word back then for non-Christian or the, the life that you lived before you accept Jesus as Savior. And he says, stop living according to that former life. He goes on to verse 22. He says, to put on your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, the true righteousness and holiness. So there's this idea of to put off, to be renewed, and to put on. Now, if you look at these commands closely, you'll notice that they're actually not commands. Okay, the, 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 the ESV actually translates this very, very accurately and properly because they're not commands. They're actually uh, what we would call Greek infinitives, aorist infinitives. Now, I know, again, it's been a long time since we've taken English, uh, but basically what this means is that these are not commands, actually. These are truths that, that Paul is saying about everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. He's saying these things are actively happening in our lives right now because of our identity with Jesus Christ. He's not saying do this, you must do this. He's saying these things God is doing in your life. When we accept Jesus as Savior, our old life and our old ways are right now presently by the Spirit of God being put away. And at the same time, uh, our, our new life as we speak, is our, our life is being renewed and our new life is being put upon us day by day. At this very moment for the rest of our lives, our old life, our sinful desires are dying. They're waning. They're losing their grip on our lives. And our new life is growing. That's what Paul is saying to the Ephesians right now. He's saying God is slowly changing us, making us new until the day of Christ. So therefore, live according to that new life that, that, that God is already doing. Put away the old life which God is already killing or taking away in our present lives, that this is true of every person in Jesus Christ, that we embrace the work that God is doing, that we put off that old life and, and, and renew our minds, put on this new self, because that's actually what God is presently doing in our lives right now, because of who we are in Jesus, because we have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's the issue of identity. He's saying that freedom is not about command, it's not about us in our own strength just doing something, it is about recognizing what God is already doing in our lives because of who we are in Jesus. And so therefore, if we look at this, he says, now let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and slander be put away from you, be kind, 
tender and forgive one another. Do these things because these are the things that God is already producing in your life because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. He's saying that, that forgiveness is not just possible, it is inevitable because that is for what Jesus died for you and me. You know, we think about forgiveness and we say, wow, unforgiveness, there are certain things in our lives we say, you know, that go way back, maybe with parents or whatever, or in our childhood, and we say, how can I ever forgive? It just seems impossible. But, but, but here we see that, that Paul is saying, because of our identity in Jesus Christ, because our identity is in the very fact that Jesus died to bring forgiveness, whatever it is in our lives that we are of trouble forgiving, God is giving us the power to forgive. It's not just possible, it is inevitable. It is what God is doing and producing uh, in our lives right now. And so we look at the second point then, uh, is what is actually forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive? Because uh, again, forgiveness is kind of a, a tricky thing because you know sometimes we'll say to ourselves, I've forgiven. I've forgiven that person. I no longer hold it against that person. We're good. The two of us are good now. But sometimes, you know, things will come up and it will prick our emotion and we'll say, yeah, you know what? Maybe I really haven't forgiven because I'm still kind of, it's still bothering me or we'll still sit, sleep at night and say, oh, I thought I was over it. But maybe there's still something going on, something that person said, something that person did. And, and I'm not sure if I've really forgiven them? And so we want to ask the question or answer the question, what exactly is forgiveness? Now in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus told a familiar parable that really precisely was talking about what actually is forgiveness. Because Peter asked uh, Jesus, he said, Lord, how long or how often uh, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Uh, Seven times? And Jesus tells this story to uh, Peter and to the disciples. And he says, and some of us know this parable, it's a pretty familiar one, the king, there's a king who wanted to settle the debts with his servants. And so he brought each servant in one at a time, and one of his servants came in, and it says it, he owed the king, this servant here, um, owed the king 10,000 talents. Now 10,000 talents in dollars is like several million dollars. And how a servant in a master's household can accumulate a debt of several million dollars, I have no idea. But that, that's kind of crazy. But you know, the, sir, the king says, I've been patient with you, you know, for all this time, your debt's been building up, but you know, now we're finally gonna have to pay. And the servant falls down on his knees and he says, please be patient with me. Um, give me time and I will pay back everything. And if you really think about it, He's saying to the, the, this master, and he's a servant, so I don't know what a servant's salary is at this time, but he's saying, if you're patient with me, if you just wait a little bit longer, I will actually pay back this debt of several million dollars. Now, the master knows how much the servant makes. The servant works for him, so the master knows his wages, so he knows if this guy's gonna pay back, it's gonna be like, you know, 10,000 years for him to pay back. So this, the, the, the master knows that this is like a ridiculous uh, promise. This guy cannot pay this debt. 
And, uh, but in a remarkable move, we say, we know that the king says um, that rightfully I should imprison you, I should make you pay back this debt, um, and, 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 and I can't wait for you forever and ever. But instead, what I'm gonna do is he says, I'm gonna forgive your debt completely. Like wipe the books, meaning like you're, 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 you're in the black. You owe nothing. I, I'm going to take this, this uh, debt that's all written down and all these payments that you've done, all this, and I'm just going to rip it up and throw it away and burn it. And you no longer have any debt. And so uh, that's like, wow. But then the, the Jesus wasn't finished with the, with the story. He says the servant went out, and, and the idea was he went out immediately. He found a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii, which is about $10,000, which is a pretty big sum, and it says he literally choked him, grabbed him by the neck, and was choking him, and while the servant pleaded for mercy, this, uh, this servant who was forgiven of all his debt said, no, you're going to be thrown in jail until you pay off this $10,000 that you owe me. Now, again, there's a lot of things going on in the story about you know, forgiveness and you know, what that means for us as believers, but for our purposes today, what we simply want to see is that forgiveness by nature is about debt. It's about debt. When someone says something hurtful or insensitive or does something to us, we, in our hearts, feel like they owe us. They're in debt to us, meaning they owe us an apology. They owe us something because they hurt us. They owe us the evidence, something that shows that they're sorry, and I'm looking for that because you owe that to me, because you did that to me, because you said that to me. And, and when we don't see this, when we don't see them apologizing, we, we, when we don't see them uh, 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 changing their ways, then we say, okay, they're in debt to me. They owe me, and they have, ne they have not paid that debt. And so I'm holding that debt against them. I'm gonna make them do what is right, or I'm gonna sit here until they do what is right. So in my heart, there is a debt that needs to be paid. And to forgive someone, to literally forgive someone, means to release them from this debt, okay? It's not a financial debt, it's an emotional debt. I'm going to free them from this debt, meaning they don't have to, if I forgive them, it means I don't, they don't have to pay me back. They don't owe me. I am satisfied and I will release their debt and I will forgive them. And they don't owe me an apology, they don't owe me a, a, a change of heart, they don't owe me like they have to hurt or something like that because I have in my heart forgiven them of this debt, so I can move on freely and carry on with my life, and they can too. To forgive ourselves means that we let go of the debt that we feel in our own hearts. Sometimes we feel that we owe a debt, like, oh, I made a terrible mistake. I let someone down, so I owe them. I feel so bad unless I can make it up to them. Even though they, they said it's okay in my heart, I feel like I can't live with this failure. I can't live with the fact that I have done something so terrible before God and I owe God. I'm going to live and I'm going to pay back God someday for the things that I have done so that I can feel free. That's not forgiveness because we're saying I'm holding on to this debt until I can pay it off. And to forgive ourselves 
means that, that we, are, we, we know and, and, and that we are released from this debt. I mean, we don't have to redeem ourselves. Why? Because God in Jesus Christ, through his blood on the cross, has redeemed us, has paid the penalty for every mistake, every debt that we owe to anyone else, and especially to God. And God says, just like the, the servant, um, we are free. But you know, instead of, of, of forgiveness, we often say to ourselves, well, you know, I'll hold it against them because, you know, that's, that's kind of the way they are. I'm not going to get a sorry apology from them. They'll never change. Um, if it's parents, that's my parents. That's the way they show their love to me. I know that they don't mean it. I know that that's just what they say. That's how they grew up. Maybe I'm being too sensitive. Maybe I just have to give up. But see, that's not forgiveness. That's moving on. Moving on is different from forgiveness because moving on does not release the debt. Moving on may say we never expect that payment ever to be given to us, but we still harbor the debt in our lives and say, but you know, they still owe us. They still hurt me and I'm still going to remember it and I'm still going to hold on to it because they owe me. And we may say, well, isn't it okay to just move on sometimes? I mean, forgiveness is messy. And what if I try to get forgiveness and I try to work this out and I don't get the response that I want and, and things get even worse? And, you know, what if I can just learn to live with some of the vestiges of these broken relationships in my life? You know, I don't really want to be friends with that person anymore anyways, and I've kind of accepted things, can't I just move on? Um, but the Bible says very clearly there are consequences to unforgiveness. And that means when we don't get rid of the unforgiveness in our heart, there are consequences that will occur spiritually. At the end of the parable in Matthew 18, the unforgiven servant was actually thrown into prison uh, because he would not forgive his fellow servant. Now, Jesus is not saying, you know, we're going to lose God's forgiveness if we don't forgive one another. Jesus is not saying that, you know, you're not a, a good Christian, but what he's saying is that there's consequences to unforgiveness. We're still going to go to heaven when we die. We're still going to be a child of God. We're still going to be loved by God and accepted by God, but we will not experience the freedom in this life that God desires for us to experience because there are enslaving effects of unforgiveness. You know, sometimes we move from one church to another even. We say, well, this church really hurt me and they did some, some terrible things and I'm moving on to another church and now I'm here at Living Hope and hoping everything is fine, but we still bring with us the unforgiveness of, of that person in the other church that said something or the pastor that did something that hurt me or the church that didn't meet my needs and it hurt me and I feel that unforgiveness that I'm, I, I'm never gonna forget that and I'm moving on and I'm moving on but what I'm doing is I'm bringing that unforgiveness and the consequences and just basically into a new community into uh, with myself and, and God is waiting saying, I wanna give you freedom. I wanna give you freedom. 
so that you don't have to go from place to place avoiding this person or that person or whatever and thinking that you've moved on. I want to give you freedom, that, that freedom is, 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 is possible because of Jesus Christ. You know, when Satan, when, when we um, have unforgiveness, we talked about it last week, we give Satan a stronghold. Whenever we allow Satan to have a stronghold, Satan is never static. He never says, oh, I've got a stronghold. I'll take care of it. I'll use it sometimes. Oh, he's using it right now. He's, he's very, very, he always attacks. If we give him territory to move and to work. Wilkerson's book identifies a whole slew of consequences that, that come up when we choose not to forgive. And he's talking about relationally when there's unforgiveness. First of all, there's this idea of separation, that we, we separate, we begin to separate from that person who hurt us. Uh, the next thing that happens is there's a sense of, of anger, that it begins now to spill into our emotions now. We're, when we think of that person, our, our emotions are no longer calm. They start to stir. And then then the next uh, step is slander. Why? Because we can't hold those emotions in our heart anymore and we have to let it out and so we find a good friend or someone else who has a listening ear and we begin to pour out those emotions through our words and we call them prayer requests or burdens that I need to share with you but, but sometimes, sometimes it's slander. It's sharing and speaking these negative emotions out and then the next step he says is resentment and this is, we talked about the idea of verdict. When you make a decision, if you make a final decision, a judgment and saying, this person is this way and that's it. I've made that decision. This person is, un is not very thoughtful. This person is mean. This person is unkind. This person is whatever. And then five, uh, the next step is actual hatred. And this is where the ugliness of sin begins to really bubble up uh, when we no longer can hide our emotions. And this leads again to the last step, and that's vengeance. Vengeance is when we start to take action to hurt someone, to hurt a brother or sister in Christ, to hurt our parents, whether it's through our words, whether it's through our inactivity, whether it's through, you know, somehow in some way I'm going to make them pay if they're not going to apologize, if they're not going to know how much they've hurt me, I'm going to let them feel how much they hurt me. And, and that's vengeance. Now, vengeance in Scripture is strictly forbidden. You know, maybe payment is due, but God says very clearly, vengeance belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. That's, we do not act to take vengeance. We do not act to bring justice in that way by hurting someone else, by making someone pay. Uh, if payment is due, it is God's matter, not ours. If payment is forgiven, if debt is forgiven, it is a matter of God, okay? It's not, not ours. If God chooses to forgive that person for the things that they have done, that's God's choice to forgive him or her and grant them mercy. So we go back to Peter's question, how many times do I forgive Jesus? And Jesus says to them, he says 70 times seven, basically meaning there's no limit. There's no limit, no, um, uh, uh, no way, uh, no circumstances upon which we do not uh, forgive, at least in our hearts. Okay, so the last question now becomes, uh, we talked about forgiveness identity, forgiveness it, it involves releasing a debt. The last thing is how do I forgive? 
You know, how do I really do this? This is hard because, you know, sometimes we're not talking about a simple misunderstanding. We could be talking about deep wounds that are maybe even being stirred up right now. Again, from parents or siblings, former friends, close friends. Can we find freedom in these instances? And the answer is yes. We can in Jesus Christ. So how, how do we let this freedom uh, begin to transform us and change us? Well, one of the first things we need to do is to address the lies of the enemy. The enemy, uh, Satan, he's the father of lies. And the thing is, Satan, he doesn't have like, well, he has power, but he actually doesn't have that much power. It's not like, you know, he's beating us up with power. Satan actually doesn't have that much power, but he has lies, and lies are very powerful. Okay, lies are the things where he tells us things and we start believing them and we start letting his lies have power over us. Satan may not hold us down physically, but his lies hold us back. And one of the lies, these are some of the lies that we, uh, that we believe, and the first one is inaccessibility. We say, well, I can't forgive because the person who hurt me is no longer accessible. Maybe they passed away. Maybe this was something that happened a long time ago. Maybe this was a, a teacher who's long gone. I have no idea where they're at now. So I, even if I wanted to try to forgive, I can't because I don't know where they are. Or they passed away. Um, but that's a lie. The second lie, lack of repentance. I can't forgive until the person who hurt me apologizes or repents. You know, I, I'm not going to forgive until they really realize what they've done and they name it and they apologize for it. Um, well, again, if that's the case, we're going to live with a lot of unforgiveness because there's a lot of people in this world, non-Christians, people we work with, people who are hardened in their hearts from the Spirit of God, who will not apologize. And we're going to be sitting, waiting and waiting and say, well, they're going to apologize, although I'm just going to hold this unforgiveness in my heart. No, that's not right. It's going to destroy us. Um, a third thing, relationship. We say, well, I don't want to forgive because I don't really care about this. I mean, it's hard, to, it's bad to say that, but to say, I don't really care about this person anymore. I don't care to restore that relationship anymore. I never liked that person in the first place, and the person is a jerk. I don't want to talk to them anymore. I don't want to talk to her anymore. I don't really care if we never speak to each other again. So, you know, why do I need to, to work on forgiving them? Let's just move on. But again, that's not, that's a, that's a lie of Satan to say that we can just continue to move on and feel that it doesn't affect us. Uh, another lie is unfixable. I can't forgive until what was done is fixed. Till they fix it, till the situation is fixed and resolved, I'm not gonna forgive. I'm not gonna move on. I'm not gonna forgive this person for what they've done and, and, and the mess that they've made. Again, this is a lie of Satan. To fix a situation is not the requirement for forgiveness. Next person, next thing repeated offenses. We say, well, I can't forgive this person because they continue to hurt me. And if I forgive them, they're gonna to continue to hurt me over and over again. So I just have to stop and say, I'm never gonna forgive them again because they just, they're never gonna stop. Now we're gonna talk about this a little bit later, but this again is not a reason for never forgiving that person. Another one, I know these are, these are tough, but Unforgivable. I can't forgive because what that person did was unforgivable. Now, I, I don't know and I can't imagine 
But maybe there are some hurts that are so deep, so heinous, that we may feel like it's unforgivable. I, I, I can never forgive them for what they have done. And not to belittle what has happened, but to believe that through Jesus Christ, he can, he can, he can forgive and he can give us the ability to forgive. And finally, the last thing is not now. I, 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 I can forgive, but I don't want to forgive right now. Maybe someday, maybe as time goes on, maybe when I, you know, move on and, and, and everything is fine, maybe then I can forgive. And uh, there's no reason that forgiveness cannot come right now. That's what God says. We'll look at back at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four says again, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on, and to put on the new self, uh, created in the likeness of God. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. As we look at these verses, what are some of the important spiritual truths that, that, that counter these lies that we, we, we sometimes believe in? First of all, forgiveness is not within our power, it is within God's power. If we say indeed, I cannot forgive because it's so hurtful, um, perhaps what we are saying is true. As a human being, as the limits of my own emotion, I cannot forgive, but God can. It's a promise of God that, that, that he is greater than the guilt and the struggle, than the hurt that is in this world, and that the very things that, that, that we think are impossible, uh, these are the things uh, uh, Jesus died for so that they can be made possible, that there can be forgiveness, that God would never ask us to do something that he would not provide, the ability and the abundance to forgive. It is possible. Second, Forgiveness is not an emotion. It is an act of the will. It is a choice. It's not something that we feel. In fact, when we forgive, we may not actually feel better right at that moment. We may still deal with residual anger and frustration. We may still struggle with issues of trust. But, but, but feelings are secondary. Feelings come as God's spirit leads us, but the calling that God is asking for us now in forgiveness is to choose, to choose to forgive, to choose to release that debt. And that may mean every day when I wake up in the morning and I gotta go face my boss who is like a total, like unreasonable whatever, and, and not even that, he's hurtful. I may need to release him from that debt every morning before I go to work. I may need to pray every morning to say, you know, in my heart, he just keeps building up that debt, but every morning before I go to work, I'm gonna pray that I release that debt, that I release that debt, that when I go home at night and, and spend time with my loved ones, that I'm gonna have, I'm gonna free of that debt and not say, that guy owes me tomorrow and I hope he treats me better tomorrow. I'm gonna pray on the way back home that I forgive him again and again. When I go to school, when you go to school and you see that, 
girlfriend who did that thing that you said, oh my gosh, how could they do that? Did they know that I heard that? Did they know that, that I know that they did that? If they knew, man, they owe me a debt. I'm going to find a way to get them back. And I know how. Then we need to pray every morning and say, God, I release that debt. We need to pray every time we hear them, see them talking with someone and say, oh, I bet they're talking about me again. We need to say, well, you know what? I'm going to release that debt because it's going to kill me inside. It's going to take away my freedom because Satan's going to use that to hurt me. And so we need to continue to, to pray and to, to, to ask God to, to help us to release that debt uh, Jesus says seven, 70 times seven, 490 times, basically as, as, as many as needed. Now, I do want to say a word about repeat offenses, okay? To forgive is not the same thing as submitting to repeated abuse, okay? I want to make that very clear. Just because you choose to forgive someone does not mean that you will not stand up for yourself, does not mean that you will continue to to uh, just submit to their abuse, whether it is emotional or physical, that God gives us the right and actually the calling to protect ourselves and to protect those who need our protection. Just because someone plays the card and we hear that card often, don't you forgive me? Won't you forgive me? That doesn't mean that I'm going to submit to your abuse again and again and again. Yes, I forgive you. But that doesn't mean you can keep doing this to me again and again. Absolutely not. We protect ourselves. We say what is, what is right and what is just, and we do what is right and what is just for ourselves and for others as well. But that does not preclude the ability or the command or the calling or the decision to forgive and release the debt, no matter how often they may they may continue to offend. Third truth, forgiveness is more than just a transaction between offender and offended. It is more importantly a heart matter between us and God. That that's what needs to be settled. That's the part that's really killing us. Especially as Christians, between Christians, you know, yes, we do everything possible to reconcile face to face, to make sure that, yes, we do take care of those offender, offended issues and relationships and restore those relationships. But there are offenses that go beyond the face to face realm. And, 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 and we need to make sure that in our hearts first that we are, are willing and choosing forgiveness before God. That even if that person is refusing to reconcile, even if that person is not showing any repentance or even an, an understanding or realization that they're doing something wrong or they hurt me, uh, God's saying still in my heart between me and God, I choose to release that debt. And I'm free. They're not free. But I'm free. Unforgiveness is a heart issue. God gives us the opportunity to find healing and freedom regardless 
of how hopeful or hopeless the, the outside situation may be, we may say, well, I, I, how am I going to find this person? God says, you can still find forgiveness. Uh, you say, this person is so hard. You know, I'm terrified of this person. I don't know if I can ever talk to them again. God says, you can still find forgiveness without ever talking to them. We say, it's, they're never going to change. God says, you can still find the freedom of forgiveness even if they never change. Why? Because according to the biblical definition of forgiveness, there are absolutely no external restrictions or conditions that prevent you from granting forgiveness and finding freedom right now. Nothing. The person who offends you does not have to be present, does not have to be repentant. The situation does not have to be fixed. In fact, a lot of situations are not fixed. But you and I, we choose. We choose to forgive because it is who we are in Jesus Christ. Paul says we no longer live as the Gentiles who demand flesh for flesh and skin for skin. Why? Because Jesus' flesh was torn. His blood was spilt. So that even as we speak, we can forgive. The payment has been done. God enables you to forgive, to release that debt. And this morning, every morning, if you know that there is someone if you know that there's something in your heart, we, we, we release that death. We choose, we choose to put away that old self. We say no to Satan's lies. We say, God, you can fix things. You can fix things better than I can. It doesn't need to be fixed, God, because you will take these past hurts and you will make something beautiful out of them. You will take complete disasters and broken relationships and you will make them beautiful you will do something unbelievable so that, that when, when Jesus comes and we stand before the throne of God, we will rejoice and praise God forever. That's God. God will bring justice. God's word says his justice will roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. He would not be God if he were not a just God. And so we don't worry about justice. We choose forgiveness because it is unforgiveness that takes away our freedom. So let's go ahead and let's, let's close in prayer right now. Let's just spend some time in quietness before the Lord right now. And as you're bowed before him, I'll just ask a few questions. Do you feel right now that you're not at peace? Something inside you that's telling you you're not at peace. Is there something inside you right now that drives you, really drives you, and you're not sure why? Do you feel the desire that you have to prove something, prove something to people? Do certain people, do certain family members or friends or brothers and sisters in Christ, when you see them or hear their name, does it raise your emotions? Does it stir your emotions right now? If someone were to say that name right now, if that person were to walk in this room right now, does it stir your emotions?